0: Bike Karma Bicycle Stories podcast is brought to you with support from The Frame and Wheel, helping you turn your cycling items into cash without the hassle. And
1: AD Bikes, the modern face of Ostra Daimler Bicycles. Become bike, become AD Bikes. <laughs>
0: Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Bike Karma Bicycle & Cycling Stories podcast. I'm your host, Tom Brown, and you're here for episode 56. You've probably already noticed that the opening music is a little different than usual, and part of that's because this episode has been such a long time coming, but there's a good reason for it. In 2019, I finally got out to do RAGBRAI. RAGBRA is not a race. It's more of a gigantic rolling party where 20,000 plus cyclists make their way across the great state of Iowa. Takes about a week and it's ballpark 500 miles. It is the biggest and longest continually running bicycle tour in the world and every single cyclist on that route has their own stories. So when I went, I collected quite a few. I was gonna put them all together for the one year anniversary of the ride, but that would have been July last year and smack dab in the middle of an unimaginable pandemic that turned all of our lives inside out. And with the ride being effectively canceled for the first time ever, I just couldn't face it until I saw some hope for the future. With the ride happening again this year in 2021, I was able to rally my emotions and put together the wonderful stories that I collected. As you know, the mission of the show is to bring people together by sharing bicycle and cycling stories, and if you've done RAGBRAI or are planning to do Ragbri again, maybe even this year, this show's going to be a great reaffirmation. And even if you don't plan on doing Ragbri, after you hear these stories, deep down, I bet you'll just be glad that it exists. So I want to start the show today with one story that really exemplifies just how how special and how exciting an event this is hey I'm rolling by a lady with a veil on
2: mm-hmm and I got married last Thursday we went to the courthouse it was really nice West Virginia we're from West Virginia go Mountaineers and after the courthouse we decided to drive straight straight to Ragbrai so we are on our way to Iowa and we stopped over in Indianapolis and we were gonna have our wedding night at a nice fancy hotel And we got up to the very front, right where the guy was to check us in. And he said to my husband, what are you doing today? Is there any special occasion that that you're in Indianapolis? And my husband said, yes, very special occasion. I'm on my way to ride my bicycle across the state of Iowa. And I said, are you freaking kidding me? We just got married. So then the guy looked very uncomfortable and he upgraded us to a suite.
0: So let me ask you this. Traditionally, the honeymoon is to get away from people, and you chose to be with 30,000 people in tents for the most part. How's that going?
2: Yeah, well, it's my first RAGBRAI, so I didn't realize how close together the tents were. So I'm looking at it as maybe like a seven-day reception rather than the honeymoon.
0: That is probably the smartest way
3: to look at that. Okay. Well, thank you very much.
2: Thank you.
0: So with that setting the tone, thanks for coming along for the ride. Let's roll out. Some things are amazing because of how big they are. They're hard to wrap your head around, like a giant statue or a river so wide it looks like a stretch of ocean. And that's what Ragbri is. It is a ton of people riding bicycles for a week across the great state of Iowa. It is supposedly the biggest and, until COVID, the longest continually running bicycle tour in the world. The letters stand for The Register's Annual Great Bicycle Ride Across Iowa, where The Register is a newspaper that started the event in 1973 with just a few riders, and it's grown to a tour of thousands. While people are encouraged to officially register, many people just ride along for the day or do the part near their hometown. So the estimated number of people riding flows from the usual official estimates for registered riders for the week being 8,500. But unofficially, the number has been floated that more than 20,000 plus riders are involved in some way over the tour. Unconfirmed rumors, hitting nearly 30k, have been floated but remain just rumors. This doesn't include all the support and spectators and hosting town workers. So why would an introvert, like myself, throw myself into such an experience? The answer? Because it's impossible. It's impossible to have that many people gathered in a single ride. It's impossible, and yet it's right there in front of you. And you're now a part of this impossible thing. More cyclists riding together than you can even imagine. And you're in it. You are a part of this impossible thing. And it feels pretty good to be part of something impossible. You can't think about it too much before you start because your mind will start to race. How do they take care of all these things? How do they make it happen? What happens when 10,000 cyclists roll down Main Street of a town that normally has a population of 500? How do you safely close 80ish miles of road in your state every day? How do they feed everybody? Where do they all sleep? How do you cool off everyone if it's really hot? Where do that many people go when it rains? So all of these brain-busting, seemingly impossible problems, they happen and get solved every day on Ragbri. And that's why every cyclist should do it at least once in their lifetimes. Taking the shuttle from Nebraska, the bus drove by a sea of tents surrounding a sporting complex and an outdoor superstore, and some really large fields. I tried not to think too much about what was about to happen, apart from training and packing. Luckily, I could afford to do that because I have a wife who loves me and is better at logistical planning than the army is. I was going to be traveling with a firm called pork belly ventures which has staked out sites for each overnight would carry my tents and bags provide showers charging stations restrooms optional meals and free beverages along the way so pork belly is just one of these firms that follows along the tour there are many different people who've set up these type of companies some big some small and if people like them, they stick with them for years. Some would offer different levels of support, even including mobile apartments, which I believe have a several year waiting list. The tour itself benefits the state economically and some even call it the ride that saved Iowa. Each year towns apply and hope they will be included in the next year's route. Rolling into the sea of tents and finding my way to the Pork Belly Ventures site, I registered. And then looked around at the sea of people. Where to even start? Where to pitch my tent? I was lucky enough to fall in with a group called the Corn Sharks. They ride with these shark fins on top of their helmets. They can look kind of like sharks swimming through the corn, sort of like that old Saturday Night Live skit about land sharks. One of them even heard about the podcast before I got there. I had got banners printed up for the side of my tent and a yard sign for my bike rack, hoping to collect as many stories as I could over the next week. I started to mingle, found myself a beverage, and went to the cooling area, which is where a bunch of fans with misters blow. People were really friendly and started talking to me immediately. Even though there were more people than a town there, we all had something in common. We were about to ride across Iowa. The first advice I got from somebody was pretty good. It was to ride your own ride. That was a huge relief because there was a fear for ragbri newbies like myself that they needed to do something in a certain way. The beauty of this event is that every person there is riding their own ride? Riding their own ride with thousands of other people doing the same.
3: My name is Wayne Patterson.
0: Okay, we were saying, what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen on Ragbri in your 22
3: years? Well, first off, we passed an elephant once. And we kept on riding, and, and afterwards, my wife. Told me, so well, why didn't we stop for that elephant? Because you know, we were just riding along nicely. And she said, and she's still mad about it, and it's been a lot of years. Well, a few years later, we're riding along, and we look on over, and there's a camel. So we had to stop and talk to the camel. We're in Iowa, why the hell would you have? a camel in Iowa. There was, we petted the camel, so that was pretty weird. Other, other than that, it's, you know, just, I can't think of any anything really weird. It's Iowa, it's rag I everything is weird. Any advice for newbies like myself? Ride your ride, you know, stop in towns, eat the food, talk to the people, don't, you know, if someone says, oh, you gotta get to the next town in whatever time or whatever, no, ride your own speed, your own ride, do what you want to do.
0: One of the cool folksy traditions of Ragbri is to dip your tire in the Missouri River and then to dip it in the Mississippi River at the end. So it's essentially a ride between rivers unfortunately in 2019 there was tremendous flooding going on but like everything else with rag Bry, the people there figured out a way to work around it they took the river and put it into a little kiddie pool and so in the expo tents was a tent with a kiddie pool and you would go and get your picture taken and dipped your tire into missouri river water and hold on to a big stuffed fish so that you could still follow the tradition Right after doing that, I started riding around the Expo, which is a huge vendor area, and my saddle snapped. The rails of my saddle. This is the same saddle that I have five or six extras of at home just in case I need them. I think I handled it quite well, actually. Instead of getting all anxious about not having everything exactly correct... I just found a saddle in a vendor bin full of saddles and it looked the appropriate shape and I just resolved that that's what I was gonna ride on. The next day, it was dark and rainy, I bagged and dropped off all my stuff in front of the carrying trucks, got a big mug of coffee, filled my water bottles and was on my way. If you were at your home and you set out on this type of morning, you'd probably turn right back. But the sheer momentum of thousands of people setting out with you. I didn't really have any concerns about finishing because I think I could get swept up in that momentum. And I also had the confidence of the uninitiated. As we rolled through the first couple of cities, I got my first taste of what it would be like to ride in a river of cyclists. Some were sprinting to catch up with friends who had left earlier, But most were pretty chill and considerate, making room for each other, making noise so that people knew that they were passing. And the coolest thing about that first couple of rides was not being able to see the beginning of the line or the end of the line of cyclists. There were some people supposedly who had started at midnight and they were already well on their way if not already to the finish line. There were others who even slept later than I did and wouldn't start for another couple of hours. I saw a crash and a whole mess of people step in to help and direct other cyclists around the crash. It was instant, like an organism responding to some type of stimuli, as on any long tour you have to pick your stops, gauging the restroom lines, deciding when would be the best time to take breakfast. I for the first time stopped at a fire station, which would repeat itself several times to have pancakes. Instead of sausages, there were these little hot dog-like wieners. Which is supposedly a normal breakfast thing there. And I also learned that they aren't called porta potties in Iowa. They are called Kybos, K Y B O. And though it originally started from a summer camp where it meant to keep your bowels open, there must have been like 25 other versions of what those litters stood for, all of which were very amusing to my seventh grade inner child. Occasionally as I stopped and started, I would run into one of the corn sharks, or one would flow in and by me. It was really easy to pick them out with the big fins on top of their heads. So it wasn't just a style choice, it was practical. It helped them keep track of each other. Even though it was a city worth of people, you'd start to pick out other people as points of reference as well. There was the guy in gold with the top hat. There were couples with matching funny t-shirts. There was the guy with the American flag cape and thong. There was a lady with a wedding veil. And one of my favorite things was that periodically there was roadkill dressed up like it had been killed partying. Partying way too hard. These animals had been killed by cars, not by the cyclist, but apparently one team of cyclist would leave really, really early and make these road kills into tableaus, little artistic scenes of a raccoon with a party hat on and beads, New Orleans-style party beads, with a crushed-up can of Budweiser in one hand and a cigarette in the other. I know that hearing this sitting on your couch, you might think that it's not in the best taste or maybe it's a little disrespectful to the animal, but honestly, after riding three hours in the rain, it was hilarious. And that's what Ragbrai's like. No, not just dead animals on the side of road dressed up, but all kinds of miniature stories and adventures everywhere you look. Where else can you stop to pet a baby goat midway on an 80-mile road ride? Pull over for a water break and learn how to make rope or help save the earth by chucking milkweed seeds to the side of the road as you ride out of town to help monarch butterflies. There were stories and interesting things everywhere you looked, so what follows are some of the stories that I was able to capture during that week-long ride.
4: I'm with the Pottawatomie County Community Foundation. Okay, so
0: traditionally the tire dip is a big deal. You dip in one river, and then you dip in another river, and that is the only consistency between each year, really.
5: Kind of, Because the route
0: changes. But this year, we have abnormal flooding on both sides of the state. So maybe could you talk about that and what's going on and what you guys have done to make up for that?
4: So that is the case. So we, uh, unfortunately, this year, we've experienced a very significant flood event where it's made it difficult for us to get to the Missouri River from any safe point. And so our committee and the executive committee of the Ragbri event made the decision to do the tire dip here on the Missouri side in a remote area that's really close to the expo where all of the bikers are going to be spending the night and starting, starting tomorrow morning so they don't have to be exposed to dangerous conditions. And so
0: it's symbolic. Like yes. what is the symbolism behind dipping your tire in the river? Yes,
4: so you so it's because it is the great ride across Iowa. We have two rivers, you know, we're flanked by rivers. The west coast of Iowa is Missouri, the Missouri River, and the east coast of Iowa is the Mississippi River. So folks will start at, they'll dip their rear tire in the Missouri River and then when they after they have traversed across the state, they'll dip their front tire in the Mississippi, showing their completion of their of the of the gauntlet
0: so this is such a symbolic and emotional part of it and yet you guys have have gone the gone the route of taking water from the river yes putting it into little kiddie pools <laughs> so that you can dip your so this flooding is is serious stuff I mean as I flew in I saw and I'm like why is this not more on the news is that it's wide flooding it is it's tremendous. not deep flooding like you would see some places it's wide, and it Very is, wide it
4: actually is wide and deep There are several towns both to the north and to the south of where this location is that are literally off the map right now. They're there's continually since m- the beginning of March have been underwater. The homes are completely submerged. It it is it is catastrophic flooding all the way from the probably just north of Council Bluffs all the way down to the
0: Missouri border. And how are people reacting with dipping their tire in the river water, not <laughs> necessarily the river?
4: So it's kind of a funny reaction at first, they're kinda of like, oh really? And then they see that we actually do have Missouri River water, we have ra- rocks, you know, river rocks we have Moe the stuffed catfish that's it's a big large cat large pillow stuffed catfish that that leveled the whole thing up for me is with that seeing right? the stuffed catfish there. It's big stuffed catfish Moe and then we also have a cutout of Sparky the black squirrel that is symbolic of Council Bluffs Council Bluffs is one of the cities in the United States that has black squirrels there's very few and so he's our mascot and so we have a cutout of him and a large a large uh, picture of the skyline of the Missouri River from the island Side. So it really is a representation of what they would see when they're down by the river. But So this is definitely a symbolic opportunity. And unfortunately, we, we just couldn't, because of safety, couldn't get down to the river.
0: Understood. So
3: your voice is great, by the way. Well, thank I you. I mean,
0: you sound like you're on the news already. I'm just
4: standing <laughs>
0: here. For people all over the world and all over the country, either I've noticed people know about RAGBRAI, mm-hmm. or they just have no clue at all. So for those That's people me. who have no clue at all, how would you describe the the effect of RAGBRAI on the state? Because it seems to be very transformative and huger than, I, I'm an imaginative guy, and I can't imagine get my head around how big this is.
4: It's an amazing undertaking. So the Des Moines Register and the Ragbri Commission, they it's an all-year opportunity for them to go through the state. They go to and visit the different cities and plan the routes. And when Ragbri happens, you're right. It is bringing people from all across the world. There's guys across the street that are from Canada. There's folks that are from Key West. There's folks that are from overseas over in, in, in Europe and Italy. And so it's really. It's an opportunity to, to showcase Iowa as an amazing place to come and learn about the, the interior of our country, experience some great Midwestern culture, and an opportunity then for our towns to to really shine and show people how cool, how amazing they are, cool they are, very um, community building opportunity for the state itself.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the biggest bike tour tour not race biggest bike tour in the world right and I I can't think of a lot of communities that could actually pull this off statewide been- it, it, there's a there's like a huge amount of people here
4: we have been working on this solid for about four months mm-hmm. as a city as one as a start uh, the startup city yeah, Cole how long has it been since Council Bluffs was the, I thought it was, 2013. I was gonna say it's been a good long time since Council Bluffs was the starting city. So it doesn't come around that long and we wanna make sure that this is an opportunity for people to really see what Council Bluffs has to offer and for us to shine.
0: Thank you very much. It's my Anything pleasure.
4: Anything else you want
5: to say?
0: No,
4: I'm just. We're as the Pottawatomie County Community Foundation. We're honored to be able to participate and and showcase the the um, county as well. The route, the beginning days, go through many of our cities in, in Pottawatomie County, which is the large one of the largest counties in the state the second largest and so it's a uh, the the first day will be a tour of all of our counties that are all of our cities that really participate and we support those cities through our community foundation that's
0: great thank you very much it's
4: my pleasure i'm going
0: to go and just record some anonymous uh people getting their picture taken with your your catfish Uh,
4: sounds great thank you so much thank you enjoy yourself
0: thank you and now the tire-dipping montage.
4: Kiss. It is, it's water from Missouri River. Kiss the fish! It is authentic Missouri River water. Smile! Okay, we got supper. all right, perfect. Thank you, guys, and I have, you want one by yourself? Okay, Yep, thank you. We'll pop this guy up there. Yep, get Mo the fish. <laughs> all right, perfect. Okay.
6: Great.
7: Thank you, guys. Have fun. Thank you for your support. Yeah. Do you yeah. Want to thanks for
4: pitch?
0: being here. Oh, I did. I oh, did. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I kissed it, necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but.
8: So the registration is 10% up that way, then? Uh,
2: let's look on our map.
0: So how are people's reactions seeing as the unsafe conditions? You've been taking lots of pictures. They seem, everybody seems to be doing all right with it. Yeah,
4: everything's, everybody's been fine with it. I mean, you know, they're happy. They're riding their bike, so they're great. It's been fine. We haven't really had anybody that's been like, oh, why can't we go to the river? So they're happy to to dip in the Missouri pools.
9: (laughs) Thank you.
0: So a lot of times when you have a big event, you hear about the damage that's caused afterwards, you hear about the waste, but some clever people at Ragbrai have figured out how to make a really good thing out of 20,000 people rolling down the road. We know there's a crisis with bees in the world, and that also extends to butterflies. The pollinators need help. So much of the habitat of the prairies has been lost, but as you see on Ragbrai, along every single road, there's tons of microhabitat area, and with just a little assistance, That roadside habitat area could really help the ecosystem.
10: Yes, my name is Nancy Cruz and I'm with Milkweed Matters. We are a nonprofit, all volunteer, and our mission is to help restore monarch butterfly habitat along the roadsides in Iowa. And we do that by making seed balls with kids and gardeners and 4-H groups and then we bring the seed balls to Ragbri and pass them out to the riders and then they toss them along the roadsides while they're riding across the state.
0: I love that. So who would naturally spread the milkweed if it was just up to nature? What kind of, they get caught on animals and they blow in the wind and such?
10: Well, the the habitat is disappearing. The milkweed is the monarch butterfly's host plant. It's the only plant they will lay their eggs on and the only plant the caterpillar will eat. And because of our extensive farming, monoculture farming in the Midwest, all the habitat is disappearing, the monarch, the milkweed and the nectar flowers. So the monarch butterfly's population has dropped 90% in the last 25 years. And so we must restore habitat so they don't go extinct and they're actually being considered right now to be put on the endangered species list
0: monarch butterflies monarch wow.
10: butterflies are so every milkweed plant we plant helps not in the field.
0: and so you're using the cyclists to propagate
10: that is correct we're using the cyclists to pass the seed balls along the road and restore habitat for the monarch butterfly and other pollinators um, the monarch is a flagship species. You know, it's beautiful and everybody recognizes it. But other pollinators are in trouble, too. They're all in trouble. And it's the same habitat for all of them. So the nectar plants, the native plants, the prairie that used to be prevalent in the Midwest is what needs to be restored. And the roadsides are a perfect place to do it. And along the buffer strips between the farmer's fields.
0: So how many do you pass out during Rag um,
10: This year we have about 20,000 that we'll be passing out, and we'll have a booth every day along the Ragbri Ride.
0: (laughs) Well, that's great. Thank you very much. Where would people go if they wanted to find out more about your project?
10: You can visit us at milkweedmatters.org or on Facebook, and our Facebook page is called Milkweed Matters. And so please follow us. You can also donate. We thrive on donations. We're all volunteer, we have no source of income. and really, the, the donations are what keeps us going. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And have a great day.
11: This is Mike Wolf from American Pickers, and you're listening to the Bike Karma Podcast.
0: Mike Wolf from American Pickers, he's from Iowa, and he was one of my dream guests to have on the show. In some of the side-talking while we were doing the interview, he really said that ragbri was something you really had to do, and that was one of the things that kind of pushed me over the edge, and I was naively hoping that we'd get to meet out there. And he was like, yeah, you've come out, we'll, we'll meet, hang out for a little bit. So I'm imagining I'm going to be riding alongside Mike Wolf in my mind. But the reality of getting there, I figured like I'd text him. Dude even gave me his phone number and I was gonna text him and then we're gonna meet up and maybe ride for a mile or two and it'd be really cool. But it's kinda like saying, hey, you're gonna be at the University of Illinois and I'm gonna be at the University of Illinois. Let's, let's meet there and then having no further thing. And then you get there and then there's no cell phone service. So imagine a town that's used to dealing with, you know, 500 people trying to get online, trying to get on cell phones. And you multiply that at least by 10 at any given time. So as Ragbri would roll through each town, it would literally break the internet. Whatever network was there would totally get overwhelmed. So if you're planning on meeting somebody there and you don't have really specific plans on where to do it, they could be anywhere within 70 miles of you, at any given time, stretched along the big route for that day. And if they're not wearing a shark fin on their head, like the corn sharks, then that makes that person really hard to find. So I really wanted to meet him in person, but, you know, it's okay. We both had a great time. I would see him posting afterwards and be like, Oh yeah, I was there. I was there too. Hey, we were both, we were both there. So the way to get around this is to get near a library, and some of the libraries in the towns would open up their Wi-Fi networks, and the building would be closed, but they would have a sign on the door that said, if you would like to use our Wi-Fi, here you go, and you'd see dozens and dozens of cyclists just sitting on the wall of the library trying to check their messages and trying to make a phone call or update their social feeds. It's all a part of getting used to the rhythm of RAGBRAI and just rolling with it. I talked to one of the mayors of these small towns about what it's like to have so many people rolling in.
12: This is Jeff Lilly from Earlham, Iowa, and I am the mayor of Earlham. For a mayor of a town, getting Ragbri to come through,
0: what's that like for you?
12: It was very exciting at first, we received notification from RAGBRAI that we were in consideration and it was up to us to accept or decline and we obviously accepted, I mean this is going to be one heck of a fun day. Uh, then after the first initial meeting, that was a statewide meeting for pass through towns, three of us attended and we were scared bleepless, uh, it, it was knowing what we were up against was kind of terrifying for us in the aspect that we knew how much work was to be done.
0: So what's scary about 30,000 people coming through your town on bikes and closing down all the streets and making sure no one dies? What's scary about that? Uh, All of that
12: and more. And uh, I guess being in charge of the whole thing, I'm worried that the vendors are going to run out of food and that the bar is going to run out of beer and that all those other things which will you know, keep those people from maximizing their profits for the day our our goal as a town wasn't to make the city any money it was to make the little league money and the bar money and the caterers money and everybody else and then we'll get it back in tax revenue um, not to get you know too political at it but that was kind of our thing and so you know I my, I guess if the if the little league sells out of water that's great it means they sold every last bottle of water they had uh, but if they take 25 cases of water home it means that we didn't do our job right. So that, that's that been our main fear and main worry from the start is that are, are we just doing it right? I mean, I I was only like 10 years old the last time I came through Earlham. So I remember nothing about it, you know, and I you know, had no idea where to start. We just ran with what the directors told us and we've gone from there. So we, we hope we're doing it right. We hope everybody has a good time. We hope everybody sticks around, has a beer and all that kind of fun stuff. And, uh, and at the end of the day, if we get more thumbs up than thumbs down, then I guess we, would, we won. Where are the early indications for how well you guys are doing? I, we're, we're doing a lot better now. Um, when it was slow a little bit early on, you know, it was you know, the lunch crowd. Are we missing lunch? Are we missing that? Uh, but now, you know, looking here and seeing a packed bike rack. Um, and our, our entertainment is just starting to kick in. We, we've got live wrestling over at the park that's starting as we speak, and a band that's supposed to start in about a half an hour. So we've had the DJ going all day, but once that live entertainment gets going, we think people will stick around a
0: little longer. Cool. my favorite thing so far and maybe I don't know if you could send them a letter from the mayor or something it would be a surprise for him is the three kids at the outside of town with the pedagogue for a buck yeah I love that yeah those entrepreneurs get my thumbs up
12: yep yep uh, when we heard about all kinds of that stuff we, we we actually contacted a few farmers to see if they wanted to bring a, a, a pig or a cow in and you know and do something similar and after the heavy rains we had early in the year it kind of put most of the farmers behind a bit so we kind of had to abandon in those ideas, but uh, yeah, they, they've told us all along it's that original stuff that's going to get the riders to stop and get off their bikes, and and uh, you know we, we've tried to bring a little bit of that in. You know, again, we hope we hit the mark. We're midway, probably, through the day. How
0: are you doing? How's your?
12: I'm I'm doing pretty good. Uh, like I said, our our we we took a risk in kind of dividing our entertainment areas into two. Our Main Street area is packed right now. I mean, you can't even see the other end of it. But the park area. That's where our live entertainment comes in, and that's where I'm confident it'll fill up later, and, and it'll be okay even if it doesn't, but uh, the vendors that are in that area are definitely not seeing the sales that the ones down here are. Uh, like I said, we knew it was a risk. We're hoping it's a big payoff at the end of the day for them when these folks start to slow down on Main Street. So. Um, I wouldn't say scared anymore, but just maybe, maybe
0: nervous. That's up a level, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you want well, you want everybody to be successful, right? Yeah, you want everybody yeah. To have the yeah, yeah
12: I, I don't want any of the vendors to go away feeling like they got shortchanged or you know didn't make as much money because of where we assigned them their spot at. So um, you know, I we I am I'm am supremely confident that that area is going to fill up and, and be be a cash cow for them once the wrestling gets going and the band gets to play. I mean, that's going to be a hit. I I firmly believe it, but uh, until that happens, I'm kind of, you know, nine-tenths confident.
0: Well, as somebody from a different state and on the other side of the country, I'm from Connecticut, the fact that you guys all cooperate together and have such a level of cooperation at all these different levels there's so many individuals who could drop the ball and this thing would yeah. fall apart and you're not dropping the ball like everybody's like yeah doing their fair share. I mean this this is logistically the most impressive thing I may have ever seen. Yeah.
12: It's it is and from town to town, you know, and I mean not just in Erlum. Erlum has been I've been thoroughly impressed. I grew up here. I love this town, you know, but but being in charge of this has been really eye-opening I mean when we first called out for volunteers I had 12 really good people who immediately made our committee up so from day one when we had a committee meeting it was 12 of us and and if somebody kinda got down a little bit you know like oh god it's been so long when's it gonna get here the 11 others were right there to you know kinda pick them up a little bit that sounds a little bit cheesy but you know I admit about a month ago I was everybody gets busy with work and life and I was like I don't want to go to another meeting And then I get there and the other, you know, 10 or 11 people that are there are, hey, this is, you know, we got to get through this. This is going to be fun. So that's been great. And then after that, when we put the call out for volunteers to man our information booths and help with beer sales and everything else, we ended up with over 60 volunteers, and we're a town of 1,100. So to me, that's a pretty outstanding, you know, turnout. You know, overall it's been great, and I, and I know all the other towns along the route. I mean, you know, ragbury has been around for 35 years now. I know every small town like ours considers it an honor to have them come through. I mean, like I said, the city's not going to make any money on this. It's just the experience that, that everybody's out for. and. You know, and then to hear people from other parts of the country come through and go, wow, Iowa nice is a thing, you know?
0: It's not just nice. Nice people drop the ball a lot. It's it's Iowa nice and competent and organized and Iowa, all that, it's it's a huge thing. But yeah, Iowa nice too. All right, well thank you very much. No problem, thank you. Okay. You've made it to the mid-rolls section of gratitude, where I like to give thanks. First of all, thanks for the 85,000 plus downloads in all 50 states and over 90 countries. I really appreciate and am humbled by that. No matter where you are in the world, please take the time to do an ABC quick check, because I don't want to lose any listeners. Every time before you ride your bicycle, whether it's just been locked up for a couple hours, or maybe you haven't taken it out in a year, doing this easy quick check might save your life. A is for air. Check the air in the tires. Squeezing is better than pushing. B is for brakes. Make sure the pads properly engage with the disc or the rim. For rim brakes, make sure those brake pads don't go into the tire. And when you pull the levers to test them, make sure you can't pull them all the way down to the bar. That means they're too loose. C is for chain line, which is basically your drivetrain. Look it over and make sure the chain isn't about to come fly apart. Quick was originally to make people think of their quick releases, but even if it's axle nuts or through axles, Make sure your wheels are properly attached to your bike. Quick is also to do a quick overall check of the bike before you go barreling down a hill. I like to lift and drop it gently about 6 inches to see if it sounds right and make sure nothing falls off. I am extremely grateful for people who share, post, or information about the podcast with others, especially people who follow on social media and on the different platforms. Thank you for everybody following on Podbean, Apple Media, and Spotify, and all those other places. A free way to help out the show is just to leave a positive review. Very grateful for all of those. Like to thank all the people who helped support the show on Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help pay for the cost of the show. Like to thank all my Patreons, including new Patreon, Dave McGowan, thank you very much. And Captain Walker's bicycles, if you go to check them out, I've been trying to get them on for a story for a while, so give them a little encouragement. These folks help to pay for the cost of the show and make it so that I can give out free stickers to anybody who asks from around the world. You can be part of the Bike Karma Sticker Army just by asking me for some stickers. Obviously, don't get yourself in trouble, but I really appreciate people putting those stickers out there all over the place, you know, in appropriate places. Just DM me or email me at bikekarmaguy@gmail.com at gmail.com with any suggestions, ideas, or to ask for some stickers. If you're a Patreon, you have access to special stickers, and if you have a shop or cafe, you can get a big format sticker if you'd be willing to display it. And speaking of supporting the show, I'd like to thank Fred Thomas from the Frame and Wheel. The Frame and Wheel can give you more time, space and cash by taking your bicycles, parts and accessories and selling them. In my conscious lifetime, there has never been a better time to get rid of your good used bicycles and parts. Supply chains are diminished, orders are back-ordered, waiting lists are months long, and if you have some parts you're not using, now is the time to turn those bicycles, accessories, and or parts into cash that you can use. Just contact Fred Thomas at the frame and wheel. So I talked to Fred about how to get his message across about how good he is about what he does. He's a good guy and knows why people hesitate with such things, let's say you had a box of bicycle takeoff parts that you haven't used. Maybe you got a new bike a couple of years ago and you just took some things off right off the bat. Why are they just sitting there? You haven't used them. Maybe you don't want to give a little bit of money to Fred to do it. You think you're going to do it yourself, but the reality is you haven't yet. If you were going to do it, you'd have done it already. Maybe you don't want to be bothered with the listings. Maybe you don't like to deal with people. Maybe you don't want to look everything up and see exactly what it is. Well all the things that you don't want to do, Fred is an expert at doing. He knows what the market is like right now. People are desperate for some parts. Different models of bikes have been sold out and won't be back for a year. Fred knows how to photograph, set the prices, pack and ship properly, deal with difficult people. And that's why he's got people sending him stuff to sell all the time. So if you've got a quality bike or some quality cycling equipment that you haven't used in a while, contact Fred Thomas and get more time, space, and cash back in your life. Please give him a follow on social media and say thanks for helping to support the show. Now back to the stories. Welcome to part two of the Ragbri episode. The mission of the show is to bring all kinds of people together through the lens of Bicycle Stories. Politically, socially, economically, and a thousand other ways, we differentiate ourselves as people. And while that makes us beautifully special and unique, on the backside it separates us and further isolates us. If you march to your own drum all the time, then you end up marching alone, and you miss a lot of what life has to offer. Said a guy who really likes to march to his own drum a lot of the time, but not all the time. And that brings us to bicycles, because one of the things I appreciate the most about bicycles and all the other hobbies in which people can find common ground is that rather than differentiating, riding on, working on, collecting bikes, cuts through all the BS and shows you clearly what other people have in common with you as fellow human beings. Rather than looking at the world through, I'm faster than this person, I'm slower than this person, or this person knows more about this than I do, or less than I do, there's an opportunity to empathize and connect. When you're changing a flat tire in the dark, finding a crack in a bike part, or God forbid a frame, or feathering your brakes nervously on a downhill, you can look into the eyes of other people doing that same thing and know that you've both been there. Yeah, we're different, but damn it. There is a lot of things that we share as well. And on Ragbri, I was pleasantly relieved to see that politics and all the other divisive day by day stuff was eclipsed almost entirely by the joy of everyone tapping into a single goal of riding in that same direction. Some people were there only for the day, riding that away. Others were there with you for the whole week, riding that away again and again, day after day. And there was some type of weird thing that happened, like a flock of birds all heading on a big journey. We were still all individuals, but we were somehow greater than the sum of all of our parts. Somehow more people than usual were dialed into their best behaviors and being their best selves. There was ready empathy when somebody looked desperate for water or they had a flat on the side of the road, or they were hopping cross-legged in front of the restroom line. More often than not, these people were met with from-the-heart compassion because we were all riding in the same direction. We were all riding that away. And while it wasn't all kumbaya, it was pretty damn close. Rules are great, but compassion is greater. Several times I saw a waiting line at the restroom that was pretty long let somebody who was desperate go ahead and do so fairly unanimously. Tourism promoters call it being Iowa nice, but there was a lot of people just being nice in Iowa people who were in the zone and in their own little world just moments ago just totally snap out of it and stop alongside the road to help somebody who's having a mechanical issue. Not only would random strangers help you if you flatted on the side of the road, more often than not, you'd soon see the wings on the jerseys of the Air Force volunteer crew. So these nice folks reminded me of a biology film, like white blood cells in the immune system. Whenever there was trouble, one would stop and then others passing by would stop. And then within a few minutes, you'd have of a group of five people making sure that that flat tire was not getting hit by anybody else and that that person got rolling again quickly. Just another thing that made the ride feel like you were part of one big organism. These groups of Air Force folks from all over the country have taken it upon themselves to help everyone who flatted. That's a whole day's worth of people spread out over 80ish miles. And that was the spirit of the whole event. We all had something bonding us together to talk about, to work towards, and miraculously that one thing took precedence over all the other little things that we could find to bicker about. And that's the magic of ragbri, Because it's not just 10 or 100 people on a group ride. It's thousands of people, a seemingly endless river of cyclists flowing by you. And you're not competing, you're all working together to get to the same place. Just the magnitude of so many people sharing a purpose and having that big giant seemingly impossible purpose eclipse everything else for a week was a beautiful thing and that's why you should do Ragbri at least once in your life.
5: Alex Duarte Trey Munn. Marcus Parks Chance Nichols
0: I stopped to talk to these gentlemen about why the Air Force was helping out everybody who got a flat.
11: We're an all-volunteer group of active duty civilians, reserve, and guardsmen and dependents that come out and we volunteer our time to come to RAGBRAI and, and help people out in the service.
13: So how long have you been doing this? This is actually my third RAGBRAI, so I started in uh, 15, 16, I missed last year and then this then this year here. This is, we have several people who have been doing this for 19 years.
11: Do you guys all bike together outside of RAGBRAI or? We do. Uh, each, each region has teams that get together, so for instance Texas, Utah, which we're from, southeast. Everybody gets together and rides locally. And then we culminate once a year on this event and do this big event as a, as a larger team.
0: Well, thank you very much. I mean, people are feeling a lot safer with you guys
11: out here we to help. It. We enjoy it. We, uh, we don't get paid. We don't get any extra compensation. This is an all-volunteer. We, we pay our own way to, to come here, pay the gas, everything to get out here. But it, that's how much people love it. So 125 people uh, in the Air Force love coming here and helping people out.
5: How do you guys know how to fix up stuff <laughs> uh, a lot of them a lot of us are uh, maintainers so we work on aircraft. some of them have hobbies of working on cars that's how I learned to uh, turn wrenches and then slowly start you know just, uh, after doing so many rock bras you start to see a lot of different things so you learn how to fix that or this and then uh, slowly you start spreading it out to the rest of the team and you know the team gets more skillful on that you know on working on bikes and we're able to fix fix them and get them on the road.
0: That's awesome. Okay, great. What's the the weirdest repair you've had to help out with? Uh, One of those walking
9: bikes.
0: (laughs) I've never seen one until I got here and it had a brake problem and it took a little while to figure out how it routed down to the wheel. What's what's the number one thing that's the problem?
5: Private flats number one, uh, broken chains number two, broken derailleurs number three, broken spokes probably number four, and then uh, of course we assist the public with much more. Uh, I think it was 2017 when it was uh, we did the southern route, um, and it was really hilly. People were dehydrated, so we were on the lookout for that. Uh, we had to help out a lady that was having a really hard time. She was. Not there. Uh, She's about to have a heat stroke, and uh, we pull it out to the side, put her in the shade, get it hydrated, and then we call an ambulance to come pick her up. So that's what we're here for, too.
0: Awesome. I don't want to hold you guys up too much more, but do you want to send uh, people who are listening to a website or an Instagram group or anything like that for all your different clubs?
5: Yeah. yeah.
11: We, uh, on Facebook, Air Force Cycling Team. I follow Air Force Cycling Team. Um, and then there's also a website, airforcecyclingteam.com. And That gives us inf- gives information about us and how to contact us and and follow us, like us.
9: Okay.
0: Any other state groups you want to mention? <laughs> no? No, that's, okay. That's Thank you very call. much, Simon. So even in a sea of thousands of people, there are the standouts. The people that everybody says, hey, did you see that person? And for that year, one of those people that everybody saw was Captain America in a Speedo. That was just a nickname, but everybody knew who you were talking about. He was the guy doing the entire ride in a cape made from an American flag and what appeared to be a speedo also featuring the American flag. Among a sea of distant cyclists, the first reaction would usually be a smile and a chuckle, but then as you looked at the outfit, there would be a wincing moment where you realized the physical toll of doing such a long tour without cycling shorts or a shirt. We all know you can ride in regular clothes, but that camoist in cycling shorts is there for a reason. And if you're doing 80-mile days on a 500-mile tour, it was a bold equipment choice. He was the conversation of many roadside chats. People wondered what his deal was. Had he lost a bet? Had he taken on some type of challenge? Did he have exhibitionist tendencies? Was he just a wild and crazy guy? The answer was really surprising, and includes a touching way of dealing with the loss of a friend while making thousands of people smile, but I'll let him tell you the story.
13: Justin Watkins so you're introducing yourself at a barbecue or something how would you introduce yourself uh, where's the beer at that's pretty much how I'd introduce myself at a barbecue I'm not very social uh, I bartended for six years you know the advantage of being a bartender is they have to talk to you kind of on this ride I'm very quiet I usually keep to myself but when you dress like this a lot of people just come over and talk to you so. first a American flag on and today some underwear yeah the uh, town of cumming was selling iHeart heart cumming underwear okay so i had to stop and get a pair because you're representing yeah uh, now i wouldn't say they're the best fit because they're cotton so i've fallen out of them several times already so i'll probably be changing back into the speedos you have an american flag wrapped around your back like a cape yep so um what's motivation what's the story um i've been doing rag bright for six years um, there was three of us on the team, a college buddy of mine that I've known for about 20 years. We did the first ragbri together and it was an absolute disaster. Uh, <laughs> we, didn't, we really didn't know what to expect. We didn't train properly. I got on the route and basically had a blowout because I, we were trying to find the, follow the professional folks pushing way too hard. It started to black out on the bicycle, lost my color vision, everything went into a tunnel and I just kind of went off into the side of the ditch and kind of caught myself. It was nerve-wracking. We'd hit towns. If we got split up, uh, just, all right, he's the only person I know on the route. What do we do? Where do I go? You know, just super paranoid. And the following year, I talked to a co-worker of mine that I'd known for, like, 12 years to do it. And it was great. Uh, the three of us did it. Uh, his name was Chris. Uh, he was a great buffer because when I finish for the day, I like to hit camp, just pass out, recoup. My other buddy, he likes to go and party and drink all night. Chris was a happy medium. And, uh, you know, we'd sit there and bullshit about the different outfits people had and what we could do to, you know, spot each other in the crowd because, like, we went from just wearing regular outfits to wearing, uh, we're like, okay, well, how can I spot you 50 people deep? All right, well, we're our team's giraffes up in the air. So we're like, all right, we'll wear giraffe horns on our helmets, and that'll work. If we hit town before each other, we'll put it on a sign so we know that they're there. And we just we were spitballing a whole bunch of ideas, and uh, I think that was in 15. And in 16, we were all getting signed up, and we we're talking amongst each other what we're gonna do. And unfortunately, Chris lost his battle with depression. Um, so me and my buddy brett decided to go ahead and still do rag rye and it was rough because uh, it's hard not to think about the guy and he didn't reach out to anybody he was just kind of fed up with it you know he was an amputee he lost part of his arm years ago in a car accident so he rode with a prosthetic he had some other demons too and you know and i had split up with my significant other and we had kids together my buddy Brett he had, was going through a nasty divorce and uh, we were talking to each other and that's how we kind of I had heard an NPR article uh, this American Life and he had heard he had heard about Rag Bride mutually we started talking again reconnecting after college after several years and we're like you know we should do this so that's how the two of us because we were in a bad spot we came together and then we brought Chris in and you know just sucks that we couldn't be there for him one so all that spitballing of ideas of things, you know, do and make, we don't care. I mean, make, can I swear? Yeah. yeah I stopped giving a fuck about it. It was like, all right, do you want to wait an hour and a half in line to take a shower? Or there's a spigot there where you hook a garden hose up to it and shower under five minutes and get get done. Uh, back in, when Chris rode with us, I did the Century Day, and I paid. I paid like 10 bucks to use the shower. We got into the college, and it was like a center-facing shower post. And the water was the same temperature that we were getting out of the spigot outside. we're like, we're actually paying for this? We'll just bring a garden hose. And then we're like, all right, the following year, we're like, well, if we're just gonna use a garden hose and shower outdoors, you know, I'm bringing a Speedo or something so our kits aren't getting wet. So we did just Speedos, and we're like, oh, any place we stop, you know, that's got a pond or a lake or something, We'll jump in and go swimming, you know, it'd be a good time. And Some
0: people are offering free pool dips and stuff like that. Free pools,
13: slip and slides. I oh, uh, okay. haven't done any of the peanut butter slip and slides. I heard that hasn't been around for a couple years now, but I've not seen that one that no, uh, they were zip lines and stuff. So last year it was like, all right, if we're going to do the speedos, we're going to see how many days we can go and do the speedos. So we did like it was pretty much every other day because just got two saddles sore. This year, Brett is working on a second master's degree, so he couldn't do it. So I'm just like, I'm just going to go full speedo the whole route. And by the last time they were selling these underwear, so I stopped and changed them out. Thank you. So that's awesome. where this
0: outfit comes from. So you really are the only guy
13: doing it in, in the speedo this year. Yeah, I am. That's amazing. And, and now, I mean, point of reference, you're a point of reference. Yeah, I think I'm on the rag gripe bingo card this year as far as, hey, oh, there's you. the guy with the Speedo and the American thank flag you. cape. Yeah, people were calling you Captain America and a thong. Captain America and, and uh, saying that's America's ass from, uh, uh, was it, the Avengers 2 or whatever. Yeah, nice. Well, you made a lot of people smile this year. Well, that's that's kind of the goal. I mean, just inspiring people. They have a good time. I mean, like, the difference between me and them is I know I look ridiculous. <laughs> All right, well, it is impressive. Um, so
0: part one of the interview is done. Okay. Second part of the segment, okay. the practical guide for others who want to cycle in underwear. What tips do you have for my listeners who think that they might want to try that? So in a thong, I mean, obviously you're using less clothing, but probably more sunscreen than most.
13: Uh, yeah, pretty much anytime you stop, throw another coat of sunscreen on there just to be safe. Um, my biggest tip is because you're not riding with any padding in a thong get a compression seat post. I mean, that's probably been the biggest lifesaver. Um, you just went up a level in my mind because that's that's some actual thinking and planning there. That's that's amazing. Yeah, and it's, the compression seat post, I got a, I think it's Cane Creek, uh, long travel compression seat post. They have a couple ones. There's like Thudbuster and the long travel. And I tried the, the Thud Buster one, but the long travel one seemed to work the best for me. And then I got a nice saddle to, we, that was the other question that came up. We were around the campfire talking about
0: you, and we were like, on the rainy day,
13: how did you not just slide right off? Oh, I actually enjoyed the rainy day. Uh, yeah? Yeah. Like, I, everybody's asking, are you cold? I'm like, no, once the muscles warm up, I'm fine. But... Uh, on a normal day like this, riding in the Speedo, I'm great in the sun, but if I go and lay down in the shade because I'm my heart's pumping so much, my body's nice and warm, if I go relax, I start shivering. So I don't really have any problems with coming off the saddle. I have it adjusted properly, so you're not really sitting on it. You're just kind of using it as a buffer and knowing where it's at when you're adjusting yourself there's a science to this sir and i appreciate it i think i might have one
0: up on this american life for having that information out there to the masses before them
13: Uh, i don't know about that i'm actually interviewing with them too they're supposed to be calling me this afternoon (laughs) oh damn
0: i gotta get the interview done all right all right well i scooped them a little bit
13: i scooped them uh, at
0: least for the recording part all right (laughs) no i i did two recordings with them already oh damn it okay well never mind (laughs) scooped uh, Snap Judgment. All right.
13: I got it before Snap Judgment. Did. Okay. All right. Hey, thank you very much. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Incredibly cool. You Thanks. You
10: bag here. Oops. <laughs> thank you. All right.
13: Awesome. Take care.
3: So
0: with RAGBRAI, the route changes every year. When you go to sleep in a field full of hundreds of tents, and you wake up the next morning and three quarters of those tents are gone, it's a little disconcerting, but it's probably because you just woke up on the long day. Daily mileage on RAGBRAI usually varies somewhere between like 50ish miles to under 100 miles, but for a newbie, it makes you a little nervous waking up in a mostly empty campground. So there's always one long day on the rag Brian. and so this morning I woke I'm up, up at normal time today, because it took a while to get like, to sleep, to be hours early because um, they're intimidated by this really long day, um, or they just know that that's how long it's going to take them if they enjoy all the stuff along the way. So there's like three SAG buses today for people who want to skip this big day. It's it's over 80 miles with an option of doing 115. Some people are going to shoot just to do 100, since they're so close anyway. But yeah, they had to add an extra bus for some people skipping that one. But a lot of people just took off early, and that's why I'm sitting here in the campground mostly by myself, uh, with a few other stragglers, and uh, I just couldn't get to sleep. So I had to, uh, I just woke up when I woke up, heard some noises, and... Now I'm up and ready to go pretty much at a normal time for any other day except for the longest day. I think we're going to do okay. Talk to you later. There's all kinds of cyclists in the world with myriads of motivations as to why they cycle. Being far away from Iowa normally in my normal life, I was aware of people who've done ragbri and who haven't done RAGBRAI. But what I found out when I got out there is there's actually a whole group of people who cycle just to be able to do ragbri. So yeah, there's a lot of distant cyclists who are like, oh, I've got to go do ragbri because it's fun. But there's a bunch of people. It's such a big, huge, fun event. And there's a lot of them who have taken up cycling as a means to an end just to participate in this big, fun thing. And if that doesn't start you, maybe thinking about wanting to do it yourself someday, I don't know what will. There's all kinds of people from all different ability levels, on all types of bicycles. I saw many different styles of adaptive bikes. I've heard of people doing it on rollerblades and scooters as well. There were rumors that an ultra runner, you know those really long distance runners more than marathon, was there trying to do it. So for people coming from the outside the ride itself is the challenge, but for those who take up cycling just to be able to participate and do their yearly training just to be a part of it, the ride itself is the reward. Wow that sounds philosophical. Okay, my name is Mitt Williams. How's Rag Bride been going for you? We're second to last day. What's the biggest impression of the ride?
9: Oh yeah, it's been going great. Uh, First day with uh, rain all day wasn't uh, so much fun, but I'll certainly take rain over wind and over 111, 115 humidity, uh, high heat index. So uh, yeah, I've I've enjoyed it. I guess my biggest impression has been, um, you know, the people in the communities They've been uh, cordial, congenial, uh, welcoming, and I thought it was just great to uh, be able to make some new friends along the way. Uh, it's amazing. You beat people from the East Coast, and the West Coast, and even from other countries. So those things, I think, is what has really made the trip good so far for me. How many rag rides have you done? Uh, this is my ninth. Uh, I started in 01. Uh, and uh, I do it every other year, uh, 01, 03, 05, 09, and so forth. And uh, I get my fix from that, and uh, really enjoy uh, getting out in the open roads. We have a—I'm from Iowa here, so we uh, have a bike path around our city, so it's a good place to train. And uh, so, yeah, I've, uh, I've, this is my ninth one, and who knows, I may do a few more. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you very much. Hope you have a good ride. You too.
0: So we just wanted to give you a little idea what it's like rolling into a town on Ragback. I didn't
6: know that
10: was to go. It's beautiful. Go it's <laughs>
0: Now just keep in mind you're standing in a crowd of thousands of people walking down a main street. Most people are reserved and catching their breath, but it's still pretty loud. City. I am the DJ for the Iowa Hawk guys and we are thrilled that you are here! Come on in! Ask
12: for a Big grow Brewery product, the official beer of Rag rai, rai.
4: You.
0: Each and every town you roll through on the route makes a really big effort to welcome you. Bridge, you roll out of each town, especially if you're not with a large group, you're back into the corn and riding your own ride. Sometimes you'll hit patches where you're wall-to-wall cyclist, other times you'll be surprisingly spaced out. The people and attractions on Ragbri come in waves. If you're going along on a particularly sunny day, you might roll upon a piece of shade on the side of the road and just see a dozen cyclists sitting there just breathing. I'd say there's just as many extroverts as introverts on the ride. And it was an amazing study in human nature just to see how the introverts would sometimes stop in the same place and the extroverts would sometimes stop in their same place. Either crowd is friendly. but I was very relieved to find that there are those peaceful places if you need them. One of those peaceful shady spots that I particularly enjoyed was the gentleman had set up a tent and a rope-making demonstration. If you rolled in to take a break, he'd teach you how to make rope. Could you tell me one more time what town we're in?
14: Uh, Sheraton. We're south of Sheraton. C-H-A-R-I-T-O-N, Iowa.
0: Thank you. So here we are, we're riding the longest day of Ragbri, and I see a sign that says free rope making with Mark Snook. And I'm intrigued enough, and I want to make some rope. So what do you got
14: set up here? Uh, We've got set up making a rope about six foot long or so. I I set it up to make about the right length for a jump rope for a kid. And I do it at a lot of like festivals and stuff, no charge, everything's free. Wow.
0: So what's the connection between making rope and bicycles?
14: Well, there is really not much connection, except the rope maker that I have is actually made out of uh, recycled bicycle parts. Sprockets change, the the crank that you turn to make the rope is actually a crank out of a bicycle. So it's, but you can make it out of anything, but it happens to be made out of a bicycle.
0: Okay, so it looks like I'm a dad with, at one point, they were little girls, and I had to learn how to braid hair. So it looks like we got three three things and we're gonna make a braid basically and then we got the crank hooked up to it and then you've got one crank arm a chain in there and it's hooked up to like almost like a merry-go-round in there so what do we do?
14: Well I'll go down here at this end and all you have to do is turn that crank uh, clockwise it'll take about 150 turns. Alright so I'm up for it. You start turning
0: that's just getting twisty and twisty and it looks like a candy cane <laughs> he's got pink and blue and It's swirling like a tighter candy cane and a tighter candy cane so it's like I got three candy canes going oh and I see what he's doing at his end is he's bringing the three candy canes together to make one this is pretty cool yeah.
14: Big kid.
0: Wow, it looks very pretty too. It's all perfect. There
14: you go. I'll put a clip on there and then take it off, and you've got the rope.
0: Wow, thank you very much.
5: Fired here. So been on Ride, Ride a few times
0: now. Just my first time on Ride oh, really?
5: Ride. Yeah. Where are you from? So,
0: from Connecticut. Oh,
5: Connecticut. So you must have some other. Do you do uh, Five boroughs in New York?
0: Another gentleman who had been watching came up to talk to me while Mark finished off the ends of the rope. I have not done that one yet. Yeah, that was a fun one. Uh, yeah. People keep telling me that. But you see so. see how everybody knows about Ride right here? And it's very yeah. organized? Yeah. Not like that in New York. It's wild. Uh, all the traffic.
5: Um, going fast, you know, and he's just dodging around. There's nothing but a, an accident waiting to happen there.
0: There you go. Well, thank you very you much, go. sir. This is beautiful. So, so if I could finish up with you. So this is a hobby or this a
14: business? It, it, no, it's not a business. It's just a hobby. I never charge for it or anything. Like I said, do it. At, some celebrations and stuff like just mostly for kids to do it they love doing it
0: excellent so if people wanted to come and make rope where where's the next place you're going to show up
14: uh i have no idea i do it we have what they call a farm crawl in uh october and i always go out there to the apple orchard one of the farms is an apple orchard and i make it out there and i'll start like 11 o'clock in the morning and four or five afternoon i would never sit down or anything i'll have a solid line of kids and never stop so awesome but yeah, you know, once in a while i go to a celebration, but no, I don't go very often. But. Well, thank you very much. Yep, thank you.
0: Well, that other guy had some really strong opinions about the Five Burrows tour. Apart from that, everything was surprisingly upbeat and positive. But even though there were only a handful of us at that particular time, at that particular tent, making rope, it was amazing how many other people that I connected with later pulled out a piece of pink and blue rope. It was almost like a personality test to see if you'd stop to make rope. And a lot of the people that I found myself getting along with on the ride had also stopped. So it was pretty cool to see the ripples of this guy's influence all through the rest of the tour. In the beginning when I said RAGBRAI was bigger than you can imagine, the number of stories and conversations that I had is also kind of hard to get a handle on. So this next section is like a audio photo album with snippets of stories from the beginning to the end. I might occasionally jump in with a little narration if it's needed, but some of it's going to be pretty self-explanatory. So here are a bunch of audio postcards from RAGBRAI. Edward Roman. I just met Edward on check-in at the hotel and he's done it 22 times. This is my 22nd time. 22nd time. Any advice for first-timers?
9: Be flexible. Be ready to ride in any kind of weather. The 4-H of RAGBRAI is heat, humidity, headwind, and hills, so just be ready for 4-H. And ride safe. Be sure to watch the RAGBRAI safety video and use courtesy and you'll enjoy the ride.
0: Everybody who's never done this before says that, oh, it's Iowa, it's flat.
9: It's not always flat. Three years ago, we had 18,000 foot of elevation gain. This year is about 14,000.
0: All right. I'm gonna let you check in, but thank you very much. You're welcome. So I'm in Omaha. I landed in Omaha, right on the edge of the two states. And this is my last shot at air conditioning for a little while. I'm in a hotel and I'm waiting for my bus, which is going to take me to the staging area where I'll pick up my bike, and I'll pick up my box, hopefully with my tent in it. And then, uh, yeah, then I'll stay in a tent tonight, no air conditioning. High temperature today is going to be, like, 96 degrees. Still can't wait to see how all this works out with so many people. Coming into one place. Being at the hotel, it's mostly people here for rag pride.
3: And my name is Jim Benton.
15: And I'm Angela Benton.
0: What is your biggest apprehension as we head into this,
3: your your first, my first rag pride? The heat and humidity. We don't really care about the distances, but we just don't want to die from the heat. And you're coming from. Oregon, where, what's the temperature out there now? The Oregon coast where we live is probably about 60
13: degrees right now. And it's very comfortable, a nice breeze coming off the ocean, uh, it's easy riding. The hills are a bit, but the hills are okay.
0: We've got, I, I think, like a minimum of three warnings on the weather site every single day for heat, and floods, and uh, thunderstorms, and all kinds of stuff. We're heading into the high 90s today.
13: I'm really excited about that. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs>
15: All right. Well, the best part on top of that will be sleeping in the tent in the humidity. That, that That's one of my favorite things, too. Again, in, in Oregon, when you head up into the mountains, you're worried about being too cold. So I always have a wool jacket or a puffy jacket and a wool hat. But uh, I don't think I'm going to need that.
0: So as I was in the hotel room last night, I was trying to, as silly as it sounds, save from the ac unit knowing i will not have it <laughs> trying to mentally uh yoga eyes my body and
3: acclimate
0: it's kind of like show. a yeti
13: cooler they say you know cool it down first and yes. then use it yep. so maybe we can get a day or two out of our yeah. hotel rooms yeah. get us through the worst of it
3: all right well yeah, nice meeting you guys nice to meet nice you to meet tom
0: you too. i was really impressed with how quiet it got at night Here's what 4.30 in the morning sounds like if you make the mistake of camping next to the coffee truck. Particularly, I can't say how impressed I am with this enough. It's amazing that they managed to get this all together. There's just thousands and thousands of people walking all over the place. Today I am in Atlantic, Iowa and it's day one, done and if you take a little shuttle bus you get into the main part of the city and you can hear it's like a big giant festival every single town along the way. I think we went through three or four different towns that were all decked out and people were showing acts and music and even in the rain. So, pretty amazing stuff. It's actually even a little bit overwhelming, to be honest, but I think that might just be me. What town are we in?
3: Berlin. What? Earlham. Earlham? Uh-huh.
0: I am in Earlham, Iowa and I have gone by lots of stands where people are selling bananas and Gatorade and stuff like that and I can go buy those but these three entrepreneuring kids have pet a goat for a buck and it was amazing. I held a little baby goat. Does the goat have a name? Zoe, Zoe this beautiful goat and my wife's gonna be so jelly because she likes goats. So good job guys. Hope you make a million dollars. Thank you.
8: It's a John, w- John Wayne house. He's here in winter.
9: Best.
0: Yeah,
8: Best. that's cool. Yeah.
9: So
0: John Wayne was born here in this town that we're camped out in? Absolutely. And you found that out and I didn't. Yes, this looks like <laughs> this way. <laughs> no other way. Good job. this is the sound of the old-fashioned machinery that makes Beekman's ice cream. This is the same way that they made ice cream like 90 years ago. Pro tip from experience, if you want to get some, any day that you don't see a huge gigantic line, that's the day you should stop. Just sat down out here next to a sign that says, just be kind. A lot of positive energy, people give me thumbs up on my pie. Um, the hardest part, no doubt, of touring is for me, boredom. And boredom is the killer. When you're in between towns and you just have that wide open space and it's beautiful and it's beautiful, but after the first few hours, beauty can get boring. And so, mentally trying to be present, that works for like 10 minutes. You just take a deep breath and you try and do some yoga in the saddle and that takes another 10 minutes and you've got three hours to go. So for me, I don't know what it's like for other people, for me boredom is the killer. So when you get a chance to pet a goat, you take that chance. And that's what's kind of cool about RAGBRAI is there's a lot of stuff to do. Sometimes you gotta wait a few miles for it, but there's lots of stuff to do. Corn on the cob, magic tricks, bands, musicians, food, people dancing, people doing weird stuff. It's all good. really helps with the boredom. Well, I already met a goat, and now I get to meet Joy the Emu.
3: Hello, Joy. What does Joy like?
5: Um, she likes, like, shiny
7: things. Oh. Like, she likes to pick, like, if you had a shiny bracelet or something
0: on, she'd like to pick it. Like
3: this?
5: Because
3: she's curious. Oh, looking right at my wedding ring.
5: Yep.
0: Little bracelets. Where? How about my recorder? There you go.
3: Isn't that something?
0: That is cool. You are a beautiful bird. How old is Joy? Three months. Three months.
5: And here's a green egg from my
0: ear. Oh, my gosh. You guys are awesome. Yep. Well, hey. Oh, you sleepy? is.
9: Yes.
0: All right, how many people have come to see your emu?
7: A lot. I I don't even know. You
0: can't even guess how many? No. Well, that's amazing. Several. That's cool.
15: That's the egg she hatched from.
0: Oh my goodness. That looks like a dragon egg right there. That is huge. May I take pictures?
15: Sure.
16: Let them hold it,
6: Levi. That's the egg that that one came (laughs)
16: out of? Where's the
6: mama emu? Back there or what? No, we don't have a mama. We just got an egg.
0: Honestly, I only saw one jerky driver on the entire trip. Most smart motorists just avoided the route for the day, and what was actually kinda heartwarming gave me goosebumps that we could actually get along was when we went over the overpasses. Almost every car and truck would honk at us as they went under, just adding to the celebration. Even though it's not a race, there were teams. At one point, I started reading off the backs of some of the t-shirts that drove past me. Team Fart, draft at your own risk. The Donner Party, still hungry after all these years. The Donner Party again, we eat the slow ones. We have Team Chris, well, one, one shirt says, I'm Chris, and I'm like, oh. And then a whole bunch of other people have the same color shirt and says, team not as old as Chris. So that was funny. You have the unicorns, the flamingos, people with pigs, people dressed up as cows, a couple dressed up as peas and carrots. Rolling into each town was definitely an experience. So imagine you're rolling into several different versions of Main Street USA with a row of buildings on one side, a row of buildings on the other side, and it would just be wall-to-wall cyclists slowing down, gradually dismounting, and then walking their bikes. Each town was trying to do their best to get you to stop, but you definitely had to pick and choose carefully if you wanted to get to the overnight town before dark.
7: When Marcellus. Where are we at? We are in Libertyville, Iowa.
0: And describe how big this place is normally. Okay, so
7: normally this town is probably, don't quote me, but I would say about three to four hundred people live here in Libertyville. And then about five miles from here, you're going to hit Fairfield and that's 11,000. Um, so this is a pretty big deal having all these bikers coming through here today. So
0: how long does it take to drive through town?
7: Oh my goodness, like on your bike, maybe 60 seconds. To- <laughs> two minutes tops maybe when, when you entered the, the town and then came through.
0: So how did they get you ready? Uh, just as somebody who lives here, did they tell you try don't try and go into this road this day or oh, okay. what did they yeah, do? Yeah, because
7: I got to actually go door to door and remind people that rag Bride was coming through. There was one actual street that was blocked and it's a cul-de-sac, so they blocked it off and then um, you could get to the end of your cul-de-sac but you couldn't go anywhere. So those people in that area had to actually either park at the baseball field or the fire department in order to if they were wanted to leave today at all because they had to sort of block the route so that you guys could come in. There was a fire truck that you saw when you first came into town and that kind of steered you towards the main road that came through. So, And then they blocked that road. There, You can still go through town, but you have to go on the outskirts. So
0: you of. went from door to door telling people? I did. So let So let's go what that would be like. So knock, knock, <laughs> I open the door. And knock, say-
7: knock, I'm not gonna answer my door because someone's here and I don't wanna talk to them is what it was. <laughs> Yeah, um, so that was pretty amusing. I, I in fact, you know, when you see someone but they don't see you, see them, and then you get up to their front door and they don't answer, and the dogs are barking. That was fun. That was the funniest part. But um, yeah, just telling them, hey, they're coming through. Pretty much the town knew that every that Rag Bright was coming through, so it wasn't you know news. But you just wanted it to be that sort of reminder that you know certain roads are going to be blocked you might have to go this direction and would you like to volunteer because that's a big thing and
0: yeah. were there any people who were particularly grumpy about it yeah you? <laughs> well uh, let's just say it before so i i don't make you feel like you're you're betraying any secrets the the whole state has done a fabulous job and and been very welcoming and stuff but we know there's people in every community so what what
2: well
7: I I don't I think that there were some people that were just you know this is this is disrupting their lives I guess but no just I'm not quite sure what their the negative was um but yeah, there were some that were like. One person was like, "What do you want?" <laughs> um, coming through. Yeah, I know. Okay, <laughs> good luck with Bradbury. All right, thank you. <laughs> Have a great day. You know. So I mean, it's so. They're, it's so positive. It's so amazing that you guys could actually come through such a small. In, in
0: reality, it's it's only a day that everything's totally black. So.
7: Absolutely. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, in fact, yeah, I think it shuts down at like 5:30 or 6, and then you're going to go on to Fairfield, and that's open all night. That's that's where you're going to get some interesting. I think conversations because I think there's a lot going on in Fairfield, and Fairfield's a very artsy kind of um, town. And uh, yeah, so have you been through Fairfield? Okay, yeah. So it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Yeah.
0: Well, thanks very much for talking to me and giving me the behind-the-scenes look.
7: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. This is amazing.
2: Well, thanks. Workout paused.
0: If you ever just took a couple turns off the route, within no time at all, you'd find yourself in the peaceful countryside and get to see what is like without all the hullabaloo. Next is the sound of hundreds of people clipping in. Yeah. That's the sound of a hundred people clipping it. So I'm sitting in a camp, which is a baseball field, basketball field, soccer field, skate park. I'm put my tent right in the edge of the bowl for the skate park. Nobody else got this close, I feel pretty cool about that.
9: My
15: name is Wendy Vondahar. I am from West Point, Iowa. I work as a at a funeral home as a manager there, and I own the Franklin Tap in downtown Franklin, Iowa.
0: So this is a very historic-looking bar. I mean, we've got a yes. huge wooden bar in front here. What's the story about that? And what's the story about this white squirrel that I keep hearing about?
15: Um, actually, it is a very historical town. There is pure limestone from a local quarry that built most of the houses here, and many of them are still standing. Our bar was a and it was built in 1846 and it still stands today as a bar. The white squirrel, I don't know where the little critters ever came from, but they're the funnest little things. They are all through town and everyone puts corn out. They're in our park and they play with the red squirrels and they're just the neatest thing. There are actually some albinos and some that have the black eyes, not full albinos, but they're just fun to watch and they play all over. So we do offer a white squirrel drink in honor of the squirrel in town. And what that is, is a half a shot of rum shotta and a half a shot of frangelico on ice. And that's a hazelnut liqueur, so it just kind of honors our little friends in town.
0: Uh, Any interesting stories about the bar? I
15: saw that it got robbed in the... Yes, um, back in the day, it had gotten robbed in this little bitty town with five roads coming in and out of it. It's just a laid back place where locals from all over Southeast Iowa and anyone passing through the states just seems to stop in because it's just a quaint little bar.
0: Well, thanks a lot.
15: You're very welcome and everyone welcome who has come through and if you're passing through, please stop in.
0: Um, Are you online anywhere if people want to see this cool bar?
15: Yes, we have a Facebook page Franklin Tap Inc on Facebook.
0: If you're anywhere in the area I would definitely say to come in and check this out because it really is quite a feeling in here like you walk back in time.
15: Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: I know this next song might be a little hard to hear but it's about a dead skunk in the middle of the road. It was right outside out of the Squirrel Bar by a group called the Hillsiders.
9: Yeah, I was just saying that my name is Chris R. P. someone who lives in Iowa City, Iowa, Johnson County, about 75 miles north of here. In this county of the 99 counties, Van Buren County, to my knowledge is the only one in the state of Iowa that to this day has no stoplights. There's seven villages, it's called the Seven Villages of Van Buren, and we're in one of them. And uh, it's one of the oldest counties in the state with a lot of really, really nice people here and uh, I think it's true vintage rural Iowa and great people.
3: Wow,
0: so no
9: traffic control lights at all? No traffic lights. Stop signs, obviously, that kind yeah, of thing, yeah, yeah. but no traffic lights at all.
10: Keep pushing your
1: Keep pushing yourself
14: up that hill. You're almost there. Nice Woo! job. Keep going, keep going. Good morning. Time. Welcome to Norwalk. Run it
0: off. in the park. As long as there are police officers who are more comfortable flashing a peace sign is drawing their weapon, there's some hope for this country. I did not do the 115, I did 100, though. Oh. So I came here and then I kept going until I got up to 100.
3: <laughs> did a little loop, to you.
0: Did a little loop.
3: Nice. He Hun- didn't do the loop. 100 miles!
8: Good! Congratulations! You're my hero. Oh. We need to connect on the Facebook.
0: Yes, sir. So those are a bunch of short audio story postcards from Ragbri 2019. The last day of the ride was probably my most luxurious accommodations. I opted to spend the extra $10 and sleep on the air-conditioned floor of a middle school. Without having to set up my tent or worry about battery drain from my tent fans, it was like heaven. So for the last night, I sat around the camp with the corn sharks and reflected on RAGBRAI. So as you listen to this conversation, remember, nobody had any idea that the event would be pretty much canceled the next year, and that we would find ourselves in the throes of a pandemic. pass it around just hold it like a microphone. I'm with the corn sharks and it's the day before the last day and we're just doing reflections on RAGBRAI 2019.
16: My name is William Lunsford. This is my fourth full ragbri 2010, 2013, 2016, and 2019. Although in 2016 I had some severe cramps and had to sag in one day and wore that badge of honor or dishonor. Uh, my reflections on 2019, this continues to amaze the the number of bicycles on the road. You just can't really describe. But it's also the fact that you've got 20,000 people moving from town to town by bicycle and all their support and there are very few what I would call flare-ups. Everybody's happy, everybody's enjoying themselves and it's a great time to to just get out and rediscover yourself and your connection with the the, the central part of the country. The Iowa countryside is amazing, corn and cornfields as far as you can see, beans as far as you can see, and then all of the, the other animal farming is, is amazing to see. It's only from a bicycle, you can't see it from I-80. Um, it's been a great time, and I, I'm looking forward to doing it again. I don't know what else I would add.
1: So my name is Erica Thomas. Um, I think reflections on this RAGBRAI. This is my fifth full ragbri. Our first RAGBRAI was 1993 and we took 10 years to recover from that one. <laughs> did did 2003 and took another 10 years to recover from that one. And they get closer and closer together because we, we just have the time and the energy to do the training. And I think my biggest takeaway from this one is the difference between when you spend the time and energy ahead of time to do the training, how much more enjoyable it is to do this ride no matter what the route is so you can go the north route the central route like this time or through the south but the more time you spend on your bicycle it just makes this week more fun because you don't have to suffer through some of the longer days and you can roll into camp and have fun with 30,000 of your best friends (laughs) and it just makes it a lot a lot nicer experience overall. Our, I just remember our first drive-by in 1993, we did zero training and did the entire ride, including the Century Loop, literally no training on a mountain bike. Coming home from that experience, n- not well hydrated, not well fed, and then waking up in the middle of the night like three or four in the morning to go raid the refrigerator because our metabolism was so high at the end of that ride and we're just trying to refuel I think it took two weeks after that first rag to kind of get back into eating normally after all of that energy expenditure so it was it was pretty serious thing so when you come out here if you choose to come out here the food is awesome and don't ever say no to anything along the ride and um, you will have a great time
6: yep. my name is Mike Thomas so I'm here with Erica and together we've done rag ride five times our first one is in 1993 you know as I look on the rag ride of this current year of 2019 it strikes me how much things are st- still very much the same as they were back from 1993. I mean, the state of Iowa is still the same kind of agricultural state that it was back then. You still have the same kind of beautiful vista views of the countryside and the corn and the bean fields, and you have the same kind of Iowa nice (laughs) that we talked about way back in the 90s. It's still there today in 2019. Where so much of the country is changed and evolved so much, Iowa maybe hasn't so much, and that's a beautiful thing and I think that's one of the reasons why this ragbri ride is possible in Iowa and has been going on for over forty years. what's this year's the forty seventh ragbri that's remarkable It's a testament to the to the people of this state, and it's really a great thing so 2019 has been has been good it's uh, it also provides kind of a contrast to our earlier rides when we were in our 20s and in our 30s you know not only the amount of preparation that it takes but also how the human body changes over time it's really kind of uh, interesting and fascinating to experience new and exciting ways that your muscles can break down um, <laughs> and, uh, in the heat of the day. <laughs> so but it's uh you know, but the people and the uh and the event itself just the scale of, of it is like nothing else in the world and it's uh makes you want to come back. So we'll definitely be back.
16: Okay, my
8: name is Pavel Ruzhkovsky I'm coming from Europe, from Poland. So long way from here, so uh, let me share the two perspectives, one from the culture perspective, the second part from the overall preparation and experience. So, on the experience side, for me, it was my first rugby, so it's really a blast. I mean, I'm enjoying it. I'm on the fifth day, so six days still to tick off. I love it. This is the experience I could not imagine. I mean, this is a community, it's a fun. It's not a race, it's a ride, and really through the countryside, through it's challenging way, at the same time it is super good experience. And I agree with comments shared about the right preparation, yes. So I've read what has been shared with the Rugby newsletter. I read what was shared by Pork Belly with the newsletters and about the preparation. I did some of this, but I'm exercising regularly and trying to keep up uh, and build up my kind of endurance and performance. And th- I think this is now paying off. I'm really enjoying the ride. So building the endurance and building the, your capacity helps to make the best out of the event. yeah. So this is not something that for one day, it's about whole seven days of a ride. So I'm thankful to my US friend who invited me to this and convinced me to join. This is an amazing, amazing experience, really. So definitely next time it will, uh, I will get the opportunity, I will come over and truly really ride again this is like going ups and downs, downhills, uphills and sometimes feeling the pain and sore in your muscles but this pays off it's a really an experience and this is not about making first the end line it's about having an experience having a i've heard today and discussed with you folks on a one of the cities and this is about a festival for the bikers so I cannot imagine having this anywhere else than in US this type of an event, this size of an event with 20,000 people joining an event so this is really a super good, super nice with very good logistics with a excellent support from I would say Air Force team Cycling team, they are made my longest day because I had the two flat tires, and they were able to help me and they made me able to finish the days, so which is uh, super important because I wanted to finish all the seven days. So the one day to come, but so far I'm enjoying it a lot and really enjoying the rugby, ride. So recommended to everybody who wants a challenge, who wants to really experience a type of a true biking festival.
16: William Lunsford. I live in Kentucky and I'm a member of the Corn Sharks Far and Near Cycler's team. In the early 2000s, a friend of mine, Mike, introduced me to the concept of this ride. I'd never heard of it. He was from Iowa and said, hey, I'd like to do this ride someday. I, for some reason, said yes. Our schedules didn't line up for, for a while, but in 2010, we finally got serious about this ride and invited all of our friends to participate with us. Most of them just laughed and said are you crazy and and left that question mark hanging there but we did have a group join us there were uh, eight to ten of us that first year and we had a great time we we did a fabulous ride across northern Iowa with some great stops and great towns and really experienced all the food and the revelry and the challenges of Rag Ride that first year one of the challenges with 10 to 20,000 riders is you can't just say hey look for." I'm the one in the bright spandex because everybody's wearing bright spandex so we figured out one day that three of us rode within about a hundred yards of each other for the entire 50 plus mile day and didn't know that we were that close so when we debriefed after that first ride we decided hey we need to have some way to identify ourselves you know so that we can see and we came up with the idea of having a shark fin on our head and so that was when the corn sharks were were first born uh, that idea The far and near comes from the fact we had people from Ames and Council Bluff, Iowa on our team. We had somebody from Washington State. I had actually had to travel back from Warsaw, Poland to attend that ride. I had been transferred overseas. So that was the far and near part of of our team name. The first year we had the fins on. And we were, I think, in six different productions. We were in the register, we were on NPR. Everybody wanted to see the corn shark's fin, and people would stop us to take pictures. And it was as close as I've ever come to being a celebrity. We were a little bit worried after we debriefed after that one, saying, you know, these things might not have been the safest. There was a block of wood on top, strapped to the top of our helmet, with a piece of plastic stuck in the wood. So we iterated on that first fin, and there were also some complaints about how it didn't handle the wind very well. We iterated on that first design and came up with a second one that was cloth, but it probably wasn't much safer because it basically was a coat hanger frame. Although we did bend the coat hanger around so there were no sharp ends exposed. This time we have a really really cool fin designed by Kevin. It has if you take the fin off, it still says you're a corn shark. It's got corn down the side and then when you put in the fin, it's held in by magnets and we've now stress tested it up to about 40 miles an hour going down a hill in a heavy wind without losing a single fin this week so far, that's great. We actually have two sets of fins. We have an aerodynamic fin which is an outline of the fin and we have our formal photo fin which is the solid one and really looks like a shark and therefore we have the corn sharks. You may be wondering where the corn comes from. Well, Iowa grows corn and we eat a lot of it. It's fresh picked that morning and cooked that afternoon and you just can't beat it. So, Thank you uh, for giving us this opportunity to share our story and we had uh, we've had another great ride thank you
0: well i hope you enjoyed this special edition of the bike karma bicycle stories podcast I do have one regret about this episode, and I think it's been experienced at least once by anybody who's done podcasts or any type of recording. There was a gentleman who was telling me about his experiences on Ragbri at one of the stops. He was 74 years old and had done the ride many times. When I went back to review the recording that I made with him, the recording began with the sound of us saying goodbye and walking away, and my heart sank as I realized that I had not hit record properly. So sorry about that. If you're doing Ragbri this year, best of luck to you. Enjoy the ride. I hope that everybody has a safe and fun experience out there this year. I know this year is going to be a little different, but hopefully no less fun. If the stories from this show have inspired you to think about doing Ragbri yourself, that's great. I was glad that I did my first one with a support service like Pork Belly Ventures. For a first-timer, the support really helps to take away some of the worries and let you enjoy the ride. And thank you to those people who helped me to enjoy my ride back in 2019. From all the people making the meals, to sharing the stories, to the cat who laid down with me in the 4-H barn when I started to get a little homesick. It was a great chance to reconnect positively with a whole mess of people in the world. And I'm glad to see that the whole event is moving cautiously and carefully back into its groove. Thanks to Keller Glass and the band Mobjack for our usual opening and closing theme music. You can check them out at mobjackmusic.com. We'll soon have an interview with Keller on one of the upcoming shows. If you have a story you'd like to share on the show, have some criticisms or comments, or perhaps you'd like some free stickers for you and your friends, contact me at bikekarmaguy at gmail.com. That's bikekarmaguy at gmail.com. Please let me know if you have a good public space, like the window or the door of an establishment, and I can send you a large format sticker to help spread the word about the show. The Bike Karma Podcast is the intellectual property of Thomas Brown. All rights, including copyright and trademarks, are asserted and reserved, with the exception of the opening and closing theme music, which is by Mob Jack, and the royalty-free music that we use in the background. I do appreciate those artists as well. I hope you're enjoying your summer, or winter if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, that you're recharging and healing from this last year. And as always, till next time, keep it wheel.